Hey everyone, this is the panel show producer and host Dave Shore. Uh, I just want to address a few things before we start the episode. This is our last episode before taking a summer break. And if it wasn't the last episode, I don't know if we would have recorded it because two weeks ago when we did record it, I really didn't want to do it. I wasn't feeling funny at all. And I didn't want to talk about any of the topics that we prepared. I just couldn't care about any of them at the time. I wanted to talk about what was happening uh, down in America and here, down in the streets, about Black Lives Matter. But for a lot of reasons, it would be inappropriate for us to talk about those things. Uh, the least of which that none of it is funny. There's nothing funny about it. And this is a comedy show and information show and it just wouldn't be right. That being said, we did figure out some things we could talk about. Um, I hope you enjoy it. As well, I've never asked for any donations to help support putting the show out or producing the show. Uh, if you do enjoy the show, I would ask at this time you make a donation in any amount to the Native Women's Association of Canada, or to Black Lives Matter, or to any organization or charity out there working for social justice and to raise the voices of Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Panel Show Podcast. Each month we bring together two real journalists and two improvisers in character to talk about real world topics, issues, and events. This episode is being recorded on Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, live from our own homes over the internet via Zencaster as everyone is still social distancing here in Ontario. I'm your host, David Shore. Let's meet tonight's panel. First, our journalist. He's a columnist for the Globe and Mail and also a regular on CBC's That Issue. Please welcome back Andrew Coyne. Hello, Andrew. Hello. And he's the Queen's Park, a.k.a. Provincial Parliament Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Please welcome back Robert Benzi. Hi there. Hey, Robert. Nice to have you back. Uh, and tonight's improvisers are appearing as she's a tiny houser or tiny house enthusiast, whatever you want to call it. Please welcome to the show the totally not real Muriel. Hi, Muriel. Oh, hi there, David. Uh, Muriel, is it, is it tiny houser or tiny house enthusiast? Oh, what do you prefer? Well, either. I'll answer to either. It, interesting fact, David. Uh, yes. My actual last name is Tinehauser. <laughs> well, I think that's kismet is what that might be. Perhaps. There you go. And our last panelist, he's the former co-host of SCTV's Great White North. Please welcome to the show the completely fake Doug McKenzie. Hello, Doug. How's it going, eh? <laughs> All right. I was hoping you'd do that. Well, it's been a few years since I've had to sing that song, but it's good to be back, eh? And do you have a stubby beer? Like, do you do you still have stubbies, or do you have to get like the tall boys? Like, oh, I got stubbies galore. I bought a whole like pack of like I bought like a hundred two fours back before I knew they were gonna go. So like, I I just save them. You know, like you're you're stubby worthy, Mister Shore. Oh, <laughs> that's good to know. I'll keep. Oh, good, great. I'm looking forward to having an X. In any case, this is our last show before we take a summer break. And uh, with the state of the world being what it is, it doesn't feel right to do the normal show. A lot of things we want to talk, we wanted to talk about really aren't appropriate. So instead, uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about uh, what the panel thinks will happen over the next few months, things they'd like to see happen, things they might see happen. And we'll start with talking about the COVID-19 recovery. There's been a lot of talk about what the government should and shouldn't do. Will the pandemic lead to a universal basic income? Is this a perfect time to bring in a Green New Deal? Will the Leafs finally win the Stanley Cup? Any of these things and more are possible. So, panel, what are one or two of the things you'd like to see happen over the next summer and into the fall? Andrew Coyne, I know you don't like making predictions, but let's start with you. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll conform to stereotype. Uh, I would like to see a budget. 
And mm-hmm. I would like to see some uh, indication that the government has its arms around how much it's going to be having to spend on this, uh, which I think everyone can agree in the short term just had to be done. Uh, but uh, over the longer term, we have to have some roadmap as to how they're going to get us back into not you don't have to balance the budget tomorrow, but some sense of how they're going to get control of this. Because right now we're looking at uh, budget deficits of at least 300 billion. And that's not even factoring in the possibility of a second wave in the fall. Right. So uh, and you've got provinces uh, running into trouble and falling onto the federal role in terms of getting the feds to help them out. You've got, uh, you know, municipalities, you've got companies. Um, it's a, there's a huge uh, mountain of debt that's building up at the federal level. And as I say, even if that's justifiable in the short term, uh, it, it's, it's worrisome in the long term. And w- anything else? Another thing you maybe want to see happen over the well, next the couple Well, the other thing is, 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 you know, the provinces have been gingerly uh, reopening or starting to reopen, and that's all well and good. And again, you know, when you look at the cost of the economy, there has to be some move in that direction. What we haven't seen is a really adequate uh, testing and, and tracing program to go with that. And and all of our efforts in that regard are, are not going to uh, bear fruit if we don't have that kind of uh, regime in place so that we can prevent another surge should it should should one start to build up. Mario, what do you think? What are some of the things that you and maybe some others in the tiny house community are, are, are hope will happen in the next couple of months over the summer and into the fall? Oh, well, David, uh, yes, thank you for asking that. Um, one of the things that uh, that um, I've been thinking about is um, it would sure be nice if everyone had their own personal drone oh. so that if you needed groceries, say, or your medication, mm-hmm. um, that you could have your own drone so it wouldn't be a, a, a common germ-riddled drone that multiple people use, but you're right. responsible, and it would be it would be like the modern version of having a carrier pigeon. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think you know there have been lots of predictions that that will happen in the future. Let's see if it happens in the next few months. Is there anything else? Is there another thing you're hoping for? for? Anything else? Well, uh, yes, I am. Um, and and just to to cap off that the last part, um, I just want you to know that I have been experimenting. I've made a a drone out of my old electric toothbrush and some uh, sizal <laughs> mat, and uh, it's going quite uh, quite well. Anyways, David, you were asking <laughs> something else. Now I I've heard I'm right now I'm uh, I'm somewhere between Bear Lake and Spruce Lake, so I I'm not uh, I'm not um, in the cities, but I've heard that the wildlife have been uh, returning and in a good uh, quantity. And um, well, I think there should be bike lanes for the wildlife or, or maybe, yeah. maybe not bike. I know, uh, you know, animals don't ride bike, but nature lanes uh, that, that swath through the cities um, so that these animals have somewhere to go and they're not maybe in uh, people's backyards or things like that because they seem people seem to get irritated by that. That's very true. I mean, we just got uh, 40 new kil- kilometers of bike lanes approved in Toronto. So maybe oh. some of that could be converted. Well, there you go. My, my radio's been down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Robert Benzi, what about you? What are a couple of things you'd like to see happen or think will happen in the next couple of months? I, I think we will finally see uh, some kind of at least short-term plan for dealing with long-term care. There you go. Short-term mm. plan for long-term yeah. care. Uh, that has been a disaster situation uh, here in Ontario and in Quebec 
and in British Columbia and in other parts of the country. And I think that governments uh, of all political stripes at, at every level are going to have to get their heads around what are we going to do uh, about our old people, our seniors, and are we going to continue to warehouse them in in really third world conditions that are not, you know, conducive to them living long. I mean, in Ontario, 70% of COVID-19 deaths have been in long-term care homes. And that's really yeah, I was, shocking. I know I was checking the numbers the other day. I was quite shocked. And and this is something that's, you can't just blame the Ford government. It's all the governments that no, we've had here in Ontario. No, there's it's plenty of blame to forever. go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. David, it's because governments of, uh, we've had all three uh, parties in, in Ontario, the New Democrats, the Liberals and the mm-hmm. Conservatives have been in power over the last quarter century and all have uh, kicked things down the road and yeah. decided not to invest in, in these types of things because they are, it is expensive. And if you want to have a public uh, long-term care system, that's going to be a lot of money, rival a healthcare system. And it's, and, but as we get older and as our parents get older, I think it's something that we need to think about. We, no, we, should sure. add, we should add that we've seen the same phenomenon in other provinces and in other countries. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this seems to have been a widespread problem that the, that the pandemic has really exposed. Yeah. No, and it, it, you know, as I get older, it's something I think about, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, no, and as well, you know, my mother's getting older. And there's the things you think about um, as you get older. Uh, Robert, is there something else, another, another uh, thing you'd like to see or think can happen? I, I mean, I, I, I do think that if the National Hockey League has some kind of a season, that the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs will almost definitely win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> And I, I want to go out and, and, and on a limb and say that, David, because I mean, okay. history, you know, the best uh, 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 indicator of future events is past events. And the Toronto Maple Leafs have, have had so much success these last 53 years that I think it uh, I think we it may, it will see more of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Doug McKenzie, what about you? What would you like to see happen, Doug? What do you think well, will happen over the next couple of months? Like if you'd asked me this weekend, right, like I would have been like, I just want to sit in the yard, you know, and have a brew. But I started <laughs> like trending again because I don't know if you know those astronauts on the SpaceX, they're like their names for Bob and Doug. And I don't know if they were named after me and my brother, right? But like if they were, that's cool. So I kind of want to go into space myself, you know. Maybe <laughs> I could like get on one of right. the rocket ships and go to the moon and like, you mm-hmm. know, check it out. It'd be, be kind of all right. It'd be awesome, you know. Hosers in space. Hosers in space, eh? Like, you know, that's from your lips to like the God's ears, right? Yeah. Okay, and and there's something else, anything else you'd like to well, see happen? Like to Mr. Benzie's point, you know, I know that like mm-hmm. past performance is 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 you know a, a teller of future, but like the Leafs have never had to play during a pandemic, so like maybe, <laughs> maybe the fact that they've been everyone's been so healthy has been distracting them, eh? Like so maybe <laughs> now that they can focus just on their game. They'll win mm-hmm. the cup, but they can't, you know, the irony is they can't drink from it, you know, like, and there's nothing like putting a beer in the cup after you win it and drinking <laughs> right out of it. But no one's going to yeah. put their lips near that thing. You know, it's a walking yeah. germ, germ factory. <laughs> you know, for me, I have to say that the least one in the cup would be my long shot pick for that for to happen. But let's, let's find out what your long shots are. Something, you, th- you know, something that you think might be a stretch, but you'd love to see happen. Uh, Doug, why don't we start with you? Uh, you know, since, since we were just talking to you. Oh, me, Doug? yeah, right. Like, sorry, I was <laughs> yeah. opening another brew and uh, I got <laughs> okay. a little distracted. I hope you, okay. you can edit out pause. I was like Trudeau taking a 21-second pause, eh? Like, I right. make you sound smarter after. But I'd love to see them, of, you know, like, I once I once met a talking dog, and I don't know how it knew how to talk when it <laughs> talked. And right. I'd love, yeah. like, I know we got to focus our science on so many things, but 
if we could get dogs to talk, you know, that'd be pretty awesome, me. It, I think it would. They'd be more than man's best friend. Then it'd be man's competition. I think. I'm fair. Yeah. No, right. Robert Benzie, what's your long shot pick for something that you'd like to see happen or could happen? I got to. I got to tell you, the talking dog sounds great <laughs> to me. Everyone's uh, on board. The talking dog. Uh, although I know that uh, I don't have a dog right now, but if I did, I know the dog would kind of would be very critical of me and be saying, <laughs> like, right. are, like, "Are you kidding me?" He, you know, I'd have I'd have sort of a. Uh, Don Rickles kind of dog. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, w- what would I like to see happen? I think uh, at the risk of, of being, um, I, what I think is going to happen is actually what I would like to see happen. I think that, that, that Donald Trump is not going to be the president of the United States after November, mm-hmm. or at least he'll be until January, but I think he will lose in November. And right. I think uh, at the risk of, you know, wearing a, a partisan um, uh on my partisan sort of sheath on my on my sleeve uh, i think that that's a good thing for the for the world um and i, th- I don't think it's partisan i think it makes you an anti-fascist which is a good thing <laughs> I, I mean i just i think <laughs> that i think that in light of the situation that we that we're not really talking about tonight and it's fine because it's too depressing that's going yeah. on in the united states but there have been so many other things that so many other transgressions that have just been so depressing and debilitating and i and i'm someone who thinks that that the american ideal is something that the world should aspire to and i like the mm-hmm. idea of a, an american president that that people can look to as as a sort of beacon of of decency and 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 and, and moral fortitude and all that and even though a lot of that is bullshit i th- i do think that as our friend david Frum says trump is the worst person to ever uh be the president of the united states and he includes uh, david includes the slave owners so and he's, yeah. i mean it's and it, it really is it's a depressing depressing uh situation there yeah. Uh, Muriel, what would you like to see? What's your long shot pick for well, something to happen? Well, David, um, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, I suppose mine would be because I uh, live the life of a tiny houser. Um, I would like <laughs> to see more tiny houses in general. Now, I think this could also really help out the the housing shortage uh, as as far as affordability for all those young people who can't seem to get into the housing market i mean mm-hmm. I used to make donuts for coffee time. And oh, yeah. well, that bottomed out, I'll tell you. And um, <laughs> so uh, I, that's why I had to downsize. And that's, in fact, why I'm living in a tiny house. But I'll tell you, it is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I think there's a lot of people out there. We could have um, caravans and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there could be, um, uh, there could be, pl- you could just, Plant your tiny home somewhere, or you could be on the move like I am. You know, they did change some bylaws in Toronto. Like I have a friend who I believe is going to be renting out his his driveway to a guy who's going to put a tiny house there. Is so, that right? Yeah, in uh, in North York, I believe in Toronto. Yeah, North so, York. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Coyne, what's your long shot pick? What's your? I know you hate to pick. I know you hate to make <laughs> predictions. This is the thing you hate to do the most, but what, what are you going to pick? Well, I'll preface that by saying that I think a lot of the predictions that people are making about how the pandemic is going to change everything, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of wishful thinking there. People right. always in these kinds of crises, there's, a, there's, a, there's an industry of things, people where, you know, somehow we'll all become better people and we'll care about each other more. And mm-hmm. and it doesn't tend to last after the crisis has, has passed. I think, though, if you start to look at things that might actually come out of this, in, that are actually logically connected to it 
I think there is an opportunity for rethinking how we do cities because we're going to be forced to in some respects, you know, by the requirements of social distancing. So, for example, people mm-hmm. have been talking about restaurants, you know, only uh, being able to, 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 to be at 50% capacity. Well, most restaurants would go under if that's the case. So yeah. what people yeah. are proposing now is uh, let the restaurants spill out onto the street the way they do in Europe. The way we, the thing we, you know, we travel 4,000 miles to go to Europe to see cities that are a little more relaxed about that kind of thing. So yeah. maybe we'll get a bit more kind of joie de vivre, lighten up a little bit in in Toronto uh, as a result. But joie de vivre is not a, sentence, a word you usually use in the same sentence as Toronto. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, may, maybe some of the things we'll be sort of forced into be, be, by, the, by the necessity will actually redound to our benefit. Uh, we're going to be forced, for example, I think, to get serious about how we deal with with traffic problems because mm-hmm. some people are going to be driving because they're not they're not going to want to take the transit. Uh, are we finally going to get smart about about uh, tolling roads, for example? Will that force us to to deal with that uh, and 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 come to grips with the traffic problem in a way that we've never really done before? Uh, I think there are some opportunities there that are not just wishful thinking, but they're driven by the by the necessities. Of, uh, of life in the immediate post-pandemic uh, world where we'll still be dealing, until we come up with, with a vaccine, we'll still be dealing with the necessity for, uh, for social distancing. And I, I've been reading that it's very, like bike sales have really gone through the roof. Like people are That's buying, right. people who don't have bikes are buying bikes because, you know, and, and I'm actually going to go buy one next week because I don't want to get on transit. I walk where I can and, um, you know, I don't have a car. I can't do the auto share. Now it's closed, which makes And sense. electric so, scooters too are going to take off, I think. Oh yeah, well, that'll be interesting. That really is the future. Maybe drones are next, Mario. Oh gosh, I hope so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So uh, in August this summer, the Conservative Party of Canada will elect a new leader. Panel, who do you think will win and why? Bob, uh, Doug McKenzie, why don't we start with you? Well, Lee, uh, thanks. That's okay. My brother couldn't make it tonight. He wanted to come over. He's uh, busy doing yeah. another podcast right now. It's all good, eh? But, like, hmm. I think it'll probably it could be a surprise, but I think it could be Peter McKay because I don't think they're going to elect a woman. This Aaron O'Toole, you know, like, I mean, probably a nice baby and, you know, probably like want to sit down and have a, you know, a, a shepherd's pie or something with her, but. There's no way right. a woman's going to run that party. Last time that happened, you know, they only got two seats, right? So I don't think, I think it's, it's true. all the way. Well, that was the old progressive conservatives, which, you know, kind of got got wiped out when, Kim, you know, but it wasn't really, you can't blame Kim Campbell for that. It was all because of the uh, GST, which Maureen brought in. She was um, like uh, Canada's Madonna. And for like a brief week, I was uh, Canada's uh, Dennis Rodman. So we almost dated, eh? Like it was, it was crazy. <laughs> 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 Interesting. Interesting analogy. Um, Robert Benzie, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win the conservative uh, leadership race? Well, I mean, McKay is running the worst front-running campaign uh, in in a long, long time. In fact, I've covered a, a lot true. of leadership races yeah. federally and provincially, and I can't remember a more uh, haphazard and poorly um, articulated column or column. Cut, cut, cut. I was thinking, sorry, Andrew, I wasn't talking about columns. I, mean, I, meant, I, meant, I meant leadership campaigns. I'm getting ca- campaign yeah. and column mixed up. But I think that uh, it, uh, it's actually staggering because he entered this as the presumptive front runner. He mm-hmm. actually triggered the race in, his, in a way because during the campaign, 
uh, he talked about how Andrew Shearer, the the leader that no one likes to talk about anymore, who's still the leader, interim leader, but he's yeah. still the leader, um, uh, was was had missed a missed an open net uh, on a breakaway during the campaign against Trudeau, which I didn't I thought was unfair of McKay to say that, especially that he he did it in a speech in Washington D.C. during the campaign. It's very unusual. Um, and, and, and that sort of triggers this whole, uh, tumult after the fact. And now poor old Andrew Shear is consigned to the dustbin of history. And, uh, you know, McKay is the front runner, but he's running such a lousy campaign. Uh, he may blow it. And, uh, and young Ms. O'Toole, who's actually a, a man, Aaron O'Toole, uh, will, uh, will, you know, come from behind and win. It's interesting. I, I also think Aaron O'Toole will win because he is really playing to the social conservatives, because neither of the social conservative candidates really have a chance. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where their votes go. And, and O'Toole's really uh, playing to them. Um, Muriel, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win the uh, conservative leadership oh, race? Oh, gosh, David. You know, uh, this is a real pickle. Um, <laughs> you know, and and just to be clear, the this is the Reform Party, right? <laughs> that, that's who we're referring to? Uh, well, I, I have said in the past that this really is the Reform Party, but no, it's the Conservative Party of Canada. Oh, which is, I uh, see. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you dress up a pig. <laughs> Anyways. Um, well, I to be honest, I just know that I don't like that Peter McKay, but um, mm-hmm. I would like uh, Leslyn Lewis. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I'm honestly, I, I'm ashamed to say I don't know anything about her. Well, or Derek <laughs> or Aaron, but anyway, right. um, I just feel it is time to to uh, have a woman at uh, at the top there. I mean, these fellas have just been crapping the bed, if I can say that, um, can. for a little too long, and uh, uh, that's how I feel. Uh, I All just right. want to jump into Muriel's comment about dressing up a pig, eh? Like you, <laughs> you technically can do it, but not everyone gets on board once it's done. Just that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> well, I know, I know that it's uh, you know I grew up in fair country, and that was one of the hit things to do at the fair. <laughs> Andrew Coyne, who do you think is going to win, and why? Uh, I think it'll probably be O'Toole for some of the reasons others have been saying. I mean, McKay, mm-hmm. uh, let's not be mince words. He's dumb as two planks. Uh, <laughs> it's true. You know, he, you know, he really could not be running a worse campaign. He's, he, he looks the part. And then when he talks, it's like, you've ruined everything. And, you've just and, ruined it. And the people who've served with him know this. Uh, yeah. What he had going for him, it's a little bit like the like the Joe Biden thing. What he had going for him was inevitability, and I'm going to win, and therefore you have to get behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you then don't look so inevitable, and you start stumbling a lot, and you don't look like the big winner, then what's your selling point? Now, in Biden's case, he had that sort of firewall in the South that enabled him to turn things around. Yeah, We don't have those kind of staggered... Uh, um, the primaries the way they do there so so you know mckay the, the, if the if the if the mentality kicks in that this guy doesn't have what it takes he's going to have a hard time turning things around i also think you're right that a tool will be able to pick up more support from the social conservative candidates on the second and third ballots than mckay will and those social conservative candidates may surprise people as they usually do uh in terms of the mm-hmm. amount of support they get they're they're very well organized they're very motivated voters uh, and they may be more of a force in this thing than people are are understanding at this point. And final point is, I think I just think O'Toole's 
message. I mean, there's lots of that message I don't necessarily agree with, but it's, I think, closer to where the base is in the conservative party these days uh, than, than McKay is. So unless McKay takes the thing on the first ballot, uh, I think it may go to O'Toole. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll, it'll be interesting for sure. It's unfortunate they really, you know, I, I don't think any of them are, are running a really great campaign. They really, you know, we've talked before, um, particularly Andrew, you've talked about this, they're not, they're not really appealing outside of their base. They're not going to grow the party with what's happening, you know, with the things they've, they've brought forward. But let's move on and talk about something else. I was having an interesting chat with a, a friend of mine in California, Shuli Cowan, and we talked about um, people going back to work, about people, you know, if they're sick. And she was saying, I don't think people are going to be allowed to be back to work if they're sick, that things are going to change in that way. So I was curious, panel, what do you think? Like our attitudes, you know, you hear all this stuff about people, you know, suck it up and go to work. You have to go to work. Um, is that going to, you know, doesn't that have to change now? Is it not going to be acceptable anymore for people to show up at work if they're sick? I'm not talking about with the virus, just sick at all. Um, Robert Benzi, why don't we start with you? I think it will change, David, because I think everyone's going to be very leery of the office hero. He was, you know, I've got to get in. I'm fighting a hacking cough and I've got a fever, but the work that I do is so vital. I have to be in the office. I mean, we have shown these last uh, 11, 12 weeks in in in. Ontario, Canada, that uh, you don't need to be in your office. You can work from home uh, for most kinds of jobs. And I think that there's going to be a lot more stigma around the people who show up for work uh, when they're sick. Uh, I think people are going to say, look, this is just not some, you're not being considerate of your colleagues, of your customers. Uh, now, having said that, some jobs you, de- you do need to show up in order to get paid. So I think governments are going to have to look at uh, paid sick leave for, uh, for, for employees. Yeah, that was another question I wanted to ask you in particular, Robert, because one of the things uh, Premier Ford got rid of was the, you know, was legislated for paid sick days. And, uh, you know, it looks like he's going to have to bring that back now, don't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, the federal government's uh, sided with the, the federal New Democrats have uh, convinced the, the federal liberals that this is something that needs to be done. And, and the federal liberals who need the support of a, in a minority parliament of the New Democrats have agreed. Uh, I think it's also probably good public policy, though, David. I mean, mm-hmm. you, at a certain point, I you know, the pandemic kind of conditions us to think about things a little bit differently. And the old person showing up when he's got a cold is not really a selfless person. He's actually very selfish. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, back when I was at the Second City, um, you'd hear one or two people coughing in the audience. And then a couple of nights later, more people would be coughing. And then someone on the ca- on the stage is coughing <laughs> and the whole cast is sick. And um, so those are things I did not enjoy, uh, although it was fun being in the show. In any case, uh, Muriel, what do you think? Do you think that they're going to have to make some changes there? People are not going to be allowed to go to work if they're sick anymore? Well, David, you know, I, I might be taking a different tact on this. Um, oh, yeah. But I think since people have had um, a bit of a break, you know, an imposed break here, um, mm-hmm. not being able to go to work, I think there might be a few people who have uh, reevaluated how hard they are working and how exhausted they have been and, um, you know, how much time they weren't spending with their family, that they might actually go, I don't want to do that anymore. I know there's a bit of a financial cost there. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to be some people who decide to take less hours and will be fine with not going into work when they're sick. You know, it's interesting. There's one of the things there's been a lot of talk about, not just in Canada, all over the world, is should we be going to a four-day work week? That it's, people are more productive, can get more done, and it's not necessary to come in uh, five days a week. Um, Andrew, what do you think? 
uh, that can have uh, that can be an effective thing if it suits both sides. If it is right. something that people want to do, uh, you can make it work for them for the company. They can be just as productive. Then fine. There's no need yet. You know, there's no nothing set in stone that has to do it a, a five day week versus a four day week. Mm-hmm. I'm less inclined when people start talking about it as this is a way that we can reduce unemployment mm-hmm. uh, because it it falls into this fallacy of saying there's a fixed amount of work to be done and we can only spread it around so many days. Right. Uh, but, but as a, you know, once upon a time we used to work six and seven days a week and we moved to five and sure in the long run, we may well want to move towards four. Um, to come back to your, your original question, you know, the real question is it's sort of suggested by some of the other answers is, is anybody going to be going back to work? Mm, uh, yeah. You're reading pieces talking about this is the end of the office that uh, employers in particular are discovering that their workers can be just as productive at home without them having to shell out for the, the real estate cost. Again, I'm kind of skeptical. I think there's a difference between what works in the short term when everybody knows it's a short term thing versus the longer term. And I just think there's a natural human desire to want to congregate with others, to, to want to, you know, kibitz with your, your colleagues. And I do mm-hmm. think there are long run productivity gains that come from that, from being able to discuss something without setting up a meeting, but just running into somebody in, in the halls. But uh, no, nobody's going to be going back to work. I think it's going to be regulation that will prohibit it to, to, to go in if you're sick at all. And we're still going to have a lot of social distancing things, I think, in place for, for some time to come in the office. It'll be a very different office environment than we're used to. You know, it's an interesting point you bring up, Andrew, because uh, my best friend owns a company and, and he's been at his cottage. Like he went to his chalet as soon as, you know, the lockdown happened. His family's been up there for, I guess, 10 weeks now. And he's working remotely. And he said to me, because, yeah, we're paying, you know, I'm still paying rent in that office and it's something we're going to have to address. So I wonder if he's going to go, you know, what he's going to do in the long run. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, it's apples and oranges, the social aspect. But then if people don't have to commute to work, that solves a lot of other problems as well. So yeah. it will be interesting to see how, how that pans out. Uh, Doug McKenzie, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, you know, like if you've been getting my pamphlets, you know that I've been pushing for a one day work week <laughs> for, you know, 40 plus years. And like, I found a way to do it. You just, you got to go out early and get all the empties mm-hmm. you can. You know, it's cash in hand, no tax. And like, because of the, badness people are drinking more these days so like my profits have actually gone up in the last 11 <laughs> weeks and i want to thank all the listeners out there for doing that eh? like it's been <laughs> been good time and my office has been what it's always been the basement in my parents house <laughs> and like yeah. the overhead it's you know that's it's like beer and uh, uh, be back again that's all i that's all i gotta buy right and that's a tax write-off if you eat it at home in your office you know <laughs> it's good to know uh, you know tax season is over but it's good to keep in mind for next year oh and, uh, because i work yeah. from home when i am sick i leave the <laughs> office i'm the opposite of everyone else right. <laughs> makes a lot of sense you're really making it work there doug yeah <laughs> all right all right everyone now it's time to play fact or fiction Each month while doing research for the show, I come across a story that makes me think, this is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then I find a few more stories that are just as crazy. So we're going to use some of these stories to play fact or fiction. I'm going to read a headline, and then I'll ask each panelist if they think it's a factual story or fiction. Feel free to play along at home. Okay, so here we go. Here's our first headline. 66-year-old woman is suing gay people. Fact or fiction? Muriel, why don't we start with you? Oh, uh, gosh. Well, David, I think that is probably fact because I know some very angry 66-year-old women. 
Okay. Andrew Coyne, what do you think? Fact what, or fiction? What, what is she suing them for? She's, she's, I'm just reading the headline and then, you know, <laughs> it's just a headline. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the fact because I think, uh, I think you would have a good answer if it was a fiction. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Doug McKenzie, what do you think? Fact or fiction? Well, like, I don't think it's true, right? But it's not a bad idea because a two male, you know, a couple income is better than like usually just man woman income. So you probably get more money out of it, right? I, I might, I might sue some of my buddies <laughs> myself. All right. All right, Robert Benzie, what do you think? Fact or fiction? I, I'm, I'm. Is she sh- suing all gay people? So that is this like a all class action? gay people? Wow, so, all gay people. So who, yeah. like, who's the head of the gay people? Like that you that has to pay the money? Like. Pay the settlement. That sounds, sounds crazy to me, but you know what? I actually this. I think this is true because it's so absurd. It can't be fake. Well, you know what? It is one hundred percent fact. Wow. So, and the actual headline is like I cut a bit off the headline just because it was a bit much. Uh, is a sixty-six-year-old woman is suing all gay people? Yes, all of them. And this is from Time Magazine, May six. According to the article, uh, Sylvia Driscoll who describes herself as an ambassador of, quote, God and his son Jesus, end quote, will serve as her own lawyer. She's serving as her own lawyer in a case, uh, Driscoll versus homosexuals. So it's, I don't know if it's ever going to make it to trial. And, and um, is Jesus, will, Jesus, Savage, will Jesus actually have to testify? He might. He might eh? It is ridiculous, um, but it's Trump's America. So let's move on to the next topic. Andrew, this is for you. Florida man ah. uses alligator. Yeah. Florida man uses alligator to shotgun a beer while cranking Skinnerd. Fact or fiction? We'll start with you, Andrew Coyne. Uh, I, I make it a rule that all Florida man stories are true. Fact. Okay. Fact. Doug McKenzie, what do you think? Uh, can you like what did he? He was there was an alligator involved, but just repeat it again. Yeah. Eh? Like I, Florida man uses alligator to shotgun a beer while cranking Skinnerd. Well, like I've done that, but I played, you know, like I play Canadian right. music just out of respect. I've played Anne Marie while doing it. Right. I've played, uh, you know, Guess mm-hmm. Who. So uh, I I know you can do it with a with any Canadian type animal, like a like a loon, but uh, <laughs> oh. be tough with an alligator. You know, I think it's I don't okay, believe it's it. Like fiction, Robert Benzie. What do you think? Fact or fiction? Uh, I want this to be true because the image of, of, <laughs> of a guy cranking Freebird or whatever while while gunning down uh, Bud Lights is is too uh, too ju- juicy. But I think this is uh, fiction. Okay, Muriel, what do you think? Fact or fiction? Well, you know, I have uh, I have banged back my fair share of Jagermeister uh, <laughs> while my hedgehog Lily was watching me, um, but. I think it's, I think this is the, the word crank. I don't believe they'd use that word. I'm going to say fiction. All right. It is 100% fact. Wow. And this wow. is from, oh my this gosh. Is from, this is from Orlando Weekly from May 24th. There's a video that you can see online on Instagram. It's got over 3 million hits on the account uh, Drunk People Doing Things, <laughs> although that's not the original person that posted it. The person that posted it took it down. But basically, this guy is standing in a boat. He's got a small alligator in one hand and a tall boy in the other, and he's he uses the gators. The gator bites the bottom of the beer, and Leonard Skinner is playing in the background, and he, he shotguns the beer and then throws the gator back in the water. It's never bizarre. Never bet against Florida, man, my friends. No, and you know what, Andrew? The next one... 
for the last question is also a Florida one for you, Andrew. I thought I'd, because I made you watch Tiger King, I'd be good to you this week, <laughs> this month. So here we go. Here's our last headline. Florida police use Krispy Kreme to lure black bear off city streets. Fact or fiction? Muriel, why don't we start with you? Well, I mean, duh. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, as I mentioned, I made donuts for coffee time. Uh, we right. used this method many times uh, up north. So, uh, and their favorite was a Boston cream. Oh, good to know. Interesting. Uh, Robert Benzi, fact or fiction? Uh, at the risk of going one for three, uh, David, I don't think, that, <laughs> I don't know that there are any bears. I didn't know there, I've never heard of bears in, in Florida. So I'm going to say it's fiction. Fiction. Okay. Uh, Doug McKenzie, fact or fiction? Like when they say Florida man, is it the same guy <laughs> like every time? I don't know. Because this guy is getting around. I'm gonna say it's it's uh, fiction because like Krispy Kremes came here right and they were popular for like two weeks and then they kind of disappeared. So I think even black bears caught on. They're not as good as Timmy's, you know. <laughs> That's good. Andrew Coyne. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say fiction because it involves a Florida bear rather than a Florida man. But also, did you see that uh, talking about uh, uh, Tiger King that that they gave control of Joe's thing to Carol Baskin? I did read that briefly today. Yes, I haven't read more about it because I still feel bad that we talked about Just it. Just an incredible day tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So our last headline is one hundred percent fact. Oh, and this is from yes. May. May 27th story, uh, so just like a week ago from the Huffington Post, this took place in Fort Myers, Florida, where the police use uh, the donuts as well as some blueberry pie-scented spray to lure uh, this bear that was, you know, loose on the streets into a trap. So the bear, you know, is now safe and the city is safe. And guess what, everybody? And that's the end of the podcast. I'd like to thank our panelists, Andrew Coyne. Robert Benzi, Lisa Merchant as Tiny Hauser Muriel, and Paul Constable as the completely fake Doug McKenzie. Music for the Panel Show podcast is provided by Jim Clayton. You can get more info about the show on our website, www.thepanelshow.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Panel Show Podcast or on Twitter at Panel Show Pod. My name is David Shore. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope that you have a great summer. Stay safe, wear a mask, and Black Lives Matter.